0: you take out your Bibles and turn to Titus chapter 2 and if you're not awake hopefully you wake up you wake up uh, Titus chapter 2 and also if you don't have an outline you can pick that up right out there at the center doors at the ministry counter and have that uh, um, how many of you like waiting is there anybody here that really says I, I like to wait nobody likes waiting I I, I don't like waiting we, we don't like waiting and and I remember when I was a child, and some of you are here are children today, and, and it was Christmas time. And it was maybe a week or two before Christmas, and sometimes my parents would wrap the gifts, and some of the gifts, and they put them underneath the tree right before Christmas, and they'd have our names on them. And I remember as a kid that when my parents were looking, sometimes I'd grab that present and maybe grab it and shake it a little bit, the, if I could tell what it was. How many, any of you ever do that? My brothers, I had three older brothers, and they went a little bit further. They would put their finger underneath the paper, and they would kind of flick the paper so they might be able to see a little bit of what was underneath that gift. Anybody admit that today, that they did those kind of things, or am I the only one? We, we did that because we were anxious. We did that because we, we were eager, and we didn't want to wait, right? That's why we did that. Waiting is hard. We spend a lot of time in our lives waiting, don't we? When, when you look at the length of a person's life and the time that they spend waiting— One of the studies says women will spend 136 days of their life getting ready. 136 days getting ready. In another year, they said, if you count deciding what to wear. Can you imagine that? Men, they'd say, spends 46 uh, days getting ready of their life. I mean, it it can vary. It can vary. Some ladies may not spend as much time. Some spend more. But uh, we wait a lot. We spend five years waiting in line. We, we spend six months waiting in traffic. We wait, right? We wait. In fact, the study says right now Americans, they will look at their smartphones every six and a half minutes to look at their text or their emails or, or check out social media or something like that. Uh, I was visiting my mom in Thanksgiving in Ohio, and my brother's family came over there and they had some he has grandchildren, and some of them are teenagers. And one of them, she was all upset because she sent out a message to her friends. And they didn't respond in five minutes. And she was really upset. I mean, she was really upset because they didn't respond right away. She didn't like to wait. We don't like to wait all ages. None of us like to wait, right? Paul was writing to Titus. And we're spending this entire Christmas series on one paragraph in the book of Titus. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. And Paul was writing to Titus. They had started churches together on the island of Crete in the Mediterranean. And those churches were kind of stumbling along. And Paul was writing to Titus saying, you've got to strengthen those churches. They got to help those people. They need to live more like Jesus is what he was saying with them. They got to they be able to do that. And because they were surrounded by the immorality was, was in that church, at that church that that island was known for. And those churches had to stand strong in the culture. So Paul was writing Titus to encourage him, to tell the churches. He tells them in this paragraph, he says, you need to wait. You need to wait. And we're going to talk about what they were to wait for. So let's start reading Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. Verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The grace of God that has appeared, we talked about that two weeks ago, that's the coming of Jesus, that brought salvation for all people. Doesn't mean all people are saved, right? That are referring to all kinds of people, that the gospel is not discriminatory toward anyone, right? That Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins. So the grace of God that brings salvation, that's what that's talking about. And that's Jesus. And verse 12 says, it teaches us to, to... two things we talked about that last week to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions in other words say no to the things that Jesus would say no to and then say yes to the things that Jesus would say yes to and it says that in verse uh, 12 to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age let's look at verse 13 while we wait for the blessed hope the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Next week, we're going to focus on verse 14 for Christmas. Today, we're just going to focus on verse 13. And while we're talking about waiting, I want to give you, have your outlines ready. I want to give you two points in waiting for his presence. Two points. Number one, wait eagerly because God's gift is so good. Wait eagerly because God's gift is so special, isn't it? It says here in verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope. The word there for wait, the, the grace of God teaches us and trains us to wait, is what the Bible's saying. When we look at waiting, oftentimes we have the connotation of the day uh, of, of waiting. That it's just killing time. We know about that, right? You go to the doctor's office and you have to wait. They give you an appointment at 10 a.m., but they don't call you at 10.30 or 10.45. And I know you think like me, why didn't they make my appointment at 10.30, right? Why did they make me wait all that time? or you go to the Secretary of State's office to renew your driver's license, and you go there and you have to take a number, and then you have to wait for them to call your number after such a long time. We wait at stoplights. We wait in long lines at the stores. Right around now, we're shopping for Christmas. Many of you shop online, but still, we gotta go to the store to buy the groceries and all those kind of things, and we wait. We wait at the fast food restaurants. They're supposed to be fast food, McDonald's, and we wait, and we wait. We wait, but waiting is just killing time. That's how we do. Waiting is just killing time for us. That's not the way the word is used here. The word waiting, the original means to wait eagerly with an anticipation is the way we're supposed to wait. It's an active waiting, not a passive waiting, and there's a big, big difference. The way we get that in our mind today is think of small children, probably preschool age and maybe elementary age, waiting for Christmas. Think about yourself as you're waiting for Christmas. That excitement, that anticipation, that eagerly waiting. Can't wait to wake up on Christmas morning. That's the kind of waiting it's talking about here. Eagerly waiting, anticipating with excitement, expectation. That's the kind of waiting. So what do we wait for? What do we wait for? And what do we wait, and why do we wait? We wait for the blessed hope and the glory superior of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what the Bible tells us. So we eagerly wait for what? Let's look at Titus chapter 2, verse 13. For the blessed hope. We use that word hope differently today. We say, I hope the bears win today, right? I hope the bulls can salvage their season. I hope that it might snow for Christmas, or I hope that it doesn't snow for Christmas, whichever way you view that. And we use the word hope as a verb there, where we say, I, as a wish. It's something that we want to happen, but it's iffy because it may not happen, right? And that's not the way the word is used in the Bible. The Bible doesn't use it that way. The, the word is used in the Bible as a as a noun. That we have this hope, which is a reality. It's objective. It, it, it's going to happen. That's how it's used. It, it's going to happen. It's not a maybe or if it's going to happen. He talks about this blessed hope in the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That it's going to happen. That's our hope. And, and, and that, that's what gives us hope. It's the certainty that it's going to happen. That's what hope is. A certainty that's going to happen. So therefore, we can use the word as a verb. We can say I have that hope that it will happen because it's going to happen i have that hope because it's going to happen we really believe that it's going to happen uh, we live i think our life like in between years right now we live in between the first coming of jesus where he came as a baby at bethlehem and, and then that led to the cross led to the resurrection led to the ascension and then jesus is gone but now we're here right we're here and, and the, the bookend for that is the blessed hope the coming of our lord and savior Jesus Christ uh, th- there's some that take that verse and they want to really zero in on the specifics of the last times that this may be referring to the rapture or maybe referring to the second coming or maybe referring to heaven I-, I-, I think in this case it's not trying to be specific about anything I-, I think it's just trying to say when this life is over for all of us when it's over and Jesus comes and eternity begins and, and this is this incredible place that's real called heaven it's real we're going to be there. That's our blessed hope. It's a reality. That's what he's saying. It's a reality. This is going to happen. It's not a maybe. It's certainty. It's going to happen. That's what he's just saying, or that it's going to happen. So we are in this in-between, the first coming of Jesus and our blessed hope. We're in between that time right, right today, right? We're in between that. But as in-betweeners, we could live our lives so focused on the details of this life, and we do, trying to navigate through work and family and, and go through the discouragements and sometimes we go through depressions and and get down not realizing that that day is going to happen and none of us are going to miss it you're not going to miss it if you know christ is your savior that day is going to happen and we're not going to miss it so my message to you this morning is not don't miss the coming of the lord you're not going to miss that you won't miss that none of us will miss that my message to you do this morning is we don't if we don't understand it we're going to miss the opportunities of today That's the message. If we don't understand, we'll miss the opportunity today because that day has to cast a shadow on this day, right? It has to change our lives because we understand that day has to change us. Then we're in-betweeners. We're in-betweeners. And that day of Jesus coming has to change our lives. Let me illustrate it with a man named Simeon. You know who Simeon is, right? In Luke chapter 2, the same word was used. He was eagerly expecting Jesus to come. Uh, He was an old man, and somewhere along the line, the Holy Spirit said to him, to this devout, godly man. He said, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine living your life? That had to change his life to think about that, that maybe Simeon's wife says, hey, honey, you better cut back on that ice cream and all those greasy food that you're eating because you're going to die. And he says, no need to worry, honey, I'm okay because I haven't seen the Messiah, right? Or maybe Simeon's wife says, honey, you better slow down driving. You're driving awful reckless. You're going to kill yourself. He said, oh, no, am right Because I have this promise that I'm not going to die till I see the Messiah. Can you imagine having that promise? Simeon had that promise. The word wait means eagerly waiting. He was waiting. It's the same word used in Luke 2. And what we find where Simeon is eagerly waiting, he's not killing time. He's making time matter during his life. So presumably every day he would go into the temple, and every day he was thinking this could be the day where I see the Messiah. This could be the day. And he's waiting every day to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, this is it, this is it. But he didn't hear it day after day, expecting though every day to hear it, Till finally, that one day, the Holy Spirit kind of taps upon the shoulder. And he, and he shows him and points him, Simeon, this is the day. And he points to this young family that's coming into the temple, Mary and Joseph, who's after eight day of the birth of Jesus, are coming in for, to fulfill the Old Testament laws, uh, the laws of purification they've already made the sacrifice for the birth of jesus and simeon is tapped on the shoulder by the holy spirit and he reaches out and he holds this baby that's what it means to eagerly expect he eagerly expected it to happen any day this could happen and I eagerly expected any day i could be holding this little baby who's the messiah that i get an opportunity to see. And that's what he did he looked at that And you and I understanding what that means, now we're expecting, we live the same way, expecting the coming of Jesus. Every day we're to look forward to that, every day. This could be the day, right, this could be the day. And I wonder, how many of you woke up this morning between maybe taking a shower and eating your breakfast, if you did those things, you said today, today might be the day that Jesus comes, right? Today might be the day, all the cares of this life that I have, have a period at the end. All the cares of this life are over for me, right? because that day now is a credible day is is to come to be with jesus to be in heaven my hunch is not many of you thought about this this morning i didn't i didn't i'll be honest and i had it in my message i didn't think about that I had all kinds of other things on my mind but i didn't think about this could be the day where jesus could come back he'd come back tomorrow right come back this afternoon but it could be the day but but that's the challenge that it means that the grace of God is trying to teach all of us that this life is not all there is. And sometimes we think that is. This is all there is. We have to eagerly wait, anticipating the blessed hope of Jesus Christ's coming. We have to constantly look forward to that. It's hard to apply for us for a couple reasons. And the reason is we don't like to wait. You all admitted to me, none of you like to wait, right? And my wife could tell you that I'm lousy at waiting. I do not like to wait. I'm the number one. If we go to the store, we buy something, and there's a line, I have to really want it, really need it. Otherwise, let's put it back. I don't want to wait in this line. We'll come back some other time when I really do need it. I do not like to wait in line. And none of us like to wait. But I've got to tell you, there are people in our culture, and even Christian leaders that tell you, you don't have to wait. You're going to have the blessings of heaven right now here on this earth, that you can be healthy, you can be prosperous, you can have it all right now. All you have to do is, is uh, think positive and put away all those negative thoughts that you might have in your, your heart and your mind, and you're going to be all right. You're going to be healthy, and you're going to be prosperous, and it's all going to work great. Please That's not true. The Bible does not teach that at all. Listen, your best life is yet to come, right? Your best life is yet to come, and that is with Jesus. It doesn't mean we can't have a wonderful life here on this earth, but your best life, no matter how great your life is here on this earth, your best life is yet to come, and that is with Jesus for every one of us. There are also some false teaching out there that are saying, you know, uh, the harder you have it here, here on this earth, the better you're going to have it here in heaven. So they live in poverty, and they abuse their body in all kinds of ways because they're thinking, if I have it really bad here, then I'm going to have it much better in heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that either. That's not right. It doesn't teach that at all. But I can tell you that if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, and I pray that you do, your best life is yet to come. Amen? It's back to come. And we look forward to that life with Jesus, right? I can walk with Jesus now, and I can live a wonderful life now, but it's nothing compared to what will be in heaven. Because no longer I'll have the entanglement of sin, the sin nature, Satan tempting me, and all the things of this world tempting me, but I'll be free from all of that. the power of sin from death and all that and i'll be free to live for jesus unhindered by anything right in perfect harmony with him right and so it's going to be much better in heaven but we wait for him we wait we wait for him right we wait we wait patiently for him what else we going to do we don't try to rush it we wait for him we wait for jesus to come back the second reason we have difficulty the first one because we we don't like to wait The second one is we're not focused on the promises of Christ. We're not focused on the promise of the Bible. We just aren't. We're not focusing on those promises that we have that he tells us that he's going to go with us, be with us all the time. And so often we think that uh, we give all of our attentions and our emotions and our will and that gravitate toward the things of this life. we, We try to navigate through all of it, through the junk of life. There's so many things that go on in our life. Yes, some of the things are important, but most of it, let's be honest, just junk. Things I've got to do, things I've got to take care of, deadlines and all that. We try to just get through with it without realizing, as we're getting through that, the promises of God that he has for us as believers in Christ. There's so many great promises that he has for us. We forget about that. Where it says, I'm going to go through this with you, you're never going to be alone. Where it says, I, I'm, I'm, if you go through the fire, I'm going to be there with you. If you go through those storms of life, I'm going to be there with you. If you go through the floods, I'm going to be there with you, right? God promises to be there. So we have to trust in the promises of God in our lives. We have to. We have to grab hold and gravitate toward those promises. I read a story from a man. It's not a true story, but this man told a story that one day he was praying, and God told him, he says, I want you to take that big rock by your driveway, and I want you to push on that rock every day of your life. So not understanding why, the man said, I'll I'll decide to do it because God told me to do it. So day after day, he began to push on that rock. Day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year, he pushed on that rock. And finally, in exasperation, he said to God, I don't get it. I pushed on this rock every day of my life here and haven't moved it an inch. What's up with that, God? And God finally says to him, says, I never told you to move the rock. I told you to only push up against the rock, right? You can't move the rock. Only I can move the rock. But God said, but look at your hands. Your hands now become hard and calloused, and they're strong. Look at your arms. Their forearms are strong. The biceps are chiseled. Look at your legs. Your legs have become so strong. The muscles are defined. See, I think in our waiting, it's God trying to process and making you and I more like Jesus in the waiting time. That God is using it. So we, we don't want to miss any of that, do we? We don't want to miss any of that. So we wait patiently for him. We don't complain about it as we're waiting. We're waiting because we realize God is trying to make me more like Jesus, make me more and more like his son, and he's making me wait. And sometimes that waiting, it drives us patience, right? Patience, and I'm waiting. And maybe God has something while I'm waiting, gives me other opportunities that I didn't think were going to come in my life. So we wait patiently for him, Right? We are eagerly anticipating that day because that day will affect this day, right? If we eagerly expect that day, it's going to affect this day because on that day, I'll have to give account to God, to Jesus, for everything I've done in the body, whether good or bad, the Bible says, right? That day we stand before Jesus, we have to give an account of all the things that I've done since I've become a a believer in Jesus Christ and accept Christ as my Savior. I have to give an account of what I've done with my time. Have I used my time to serve you, God? Have I used your time for your glory? What I've done with my talents, my gifts, my abilities, have I used them for your glory? What I've done with my, my treasures, my finances, if I tithe, have I given my tithe to you? If, if I live for you, I have to give an account for that. On that day, the Lord Jesus, that I've known for all these decades, if only through the eyes of faith, on that day, I'll see him face to face. Can you imagine that? I'll see him with the nail prints in his hands. I'll be able to thank him for, for saving me, from delivering me from the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. I've done this many times through eyes of faith, but finally I'll be able to do it face to face, and you will too if you know Christ your Savior. Face to face we'll be able to stand in front of him and do that. So we eagerly wait because his gift is so good, right? We eagerly wait because his gift is wonderful and amazing, and it's Jesus. So we wait. We can't wait to see him. We can't wait to see him. The second point in waiting for his presence, waiting deeply because God's gift is glorious. It's glorious. It says in verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. A couple of things that I want us to notice in this verse, they're kind of technical in the verse, in this, this one verse. First, is, first of all, because of the construction, the article the that's in front of glorious and blessed, a Greek grammar rule Basically, it means that when you see that construction in the passage, it means that the blessed hope is the same as the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. That the hope that we have is the appearing of Jesus. That's the hope we have, right? And it's it's confirming that in that verse there, verse 13. The hope that we have is the appearing of Jesus. It's the same. The hope and Jesus is the same. The second thing I want to draw your attention to that we see is a similar grammatic situation where you have these two linked, and it's really important to see this. The great god and savior jesus christ where it says that together because the way they're linked there's referring to the same person there the same person is what it's saying there it means the same and so paul is telling titus here's a strong definition of the deity of jesus christ he's saying he's referring this construction by saying to him that our savior jesus christ is also god and sometimes we miss the little things in, in verses. But it, And you look at this. Is this a huge deal? It's a huge, huge, huge deal that he disclosing in here to Titus, that he's understanding. They shouldn't know, but he's letting them know this. Because if Jesus, who came at Bethlehem and died on the cross, was not God, then he died just as another human being. And the best out of that can come is, is one died for his friends. And it was unselfish. It was unselfish. But it can't save anybody, right? It certainly can't save fallen man before a holy, just, righteous God. If he's just a man, it matters. But Jesus was God. And it makes all the difference in the world, right? Amen? It makes all the difference in the world that he's God. And God on that day placed upon his son Jesus the sins of the entire world. And Jesus' death became a sacrifice. A substitutionary sacrifice for all of our sins. So this construction that he has in verse thirteen is powerful and it's wonderful of the deed of Jesus Christ. And he's reminding us of that, and he's reminded Titus of that to remember that Jesus is God just as much as God the Father. He's God. Understand that the exact representation of His being. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God is what He's seen. Non-physical form. it's talking about God's character and His nature, the same nature and character. That's the question many people ask today. They ask it whether you realize it or not, is Jesus God? And the answer is, come on, is Jesus God? The answer, yes, yes, He's God. You got to be proud to say, Jesus is God, people need to understand. They can't say they can't be saved without un- knowing that. They got to know that He's God. They got to understand it was God who died for you. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And the Bible says that repeatedly that Jesus was and is God. Because of the things He said, because of the things he did, because of the prophecy that he fulfilled. And now Paul reinforces that with his word that Jesus Christ is God. Undeniably, we can't deny it, he is God. And there's many other passages to bring that out. Colossians we have, also we have in John chapter one, all kinds of places say that. So Simeon waited patiently and, and waited expectantly, waited deeply, day after day, coming into the temple, expecting to see Jesus. We can't wait to see the Messiah. And that's the way we need to be with the second coming of Christ. We can't wait. We're waiting expectantly. We're waiting deeply. And the Bible says he waited deeply. Can you imagine that day when the Holy Spirit says to him, today's the day. Today's the day you're going to see the Messiah. Today's the day. And there's the baby. And as as Joseph and Mary approached the temple, came into the temple, that he reaches out his hands, his arms, and they place that baby in his arms, the Bible says, and he probably didn't say the words that many of us would say today when we get a baby in our hands, what do we say? Even men say this, oh, the baby's so cute, and it's so wonderful. Look at all the hair on that baby, right? We also like to say those kind of things. That's not what he said. That's not what he did there. We know this. He waited deeply because you could tell by the prayer. In Luke chapter 2, where he talks about this baby being the Savior of the world. Imagine that. He's holding the baby that's the Savior of the world. And this baby would grow become strong and bring salvation not only to the jews but also to the gentiles amen for us he brings it to the gentiles and in his prayer he knew and expected and he waited deeply for this because he knew this baby would die and have to suffer before salvation would come and that's waiting deeply he waited deeply for that and so as we wait deeply for the second coming of jesus and hopefully you're waiting deeply for that you can't wait it's not an event we're waiting for Sometimes we look at it as an event, the second coming of Christ is an event. And I I may come across that sometimes, but it's not an event. We're waiting for a person. That's what it's about. It's a person, right? The one who died on the cross for our sins, that's the one we're waiting for, right, to come back. It's a person we're waiting, that we might live forever, that we might see him, and he might open the doors and say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on into the kingdom. That's what we all want to hear, right? We all can't wait for that person to come and we enter eternity with him, right? When we think of that, when we think of waiting deeply, when we think like that, it's not an understanding that, this is an understanding this is not our bailout. This is not our ticket out of earth. This is not what this means. This is a huge day of worship and celebration, and we enter in, into eternity with Jesus. That's what this day represents. We worship and celebration. It's just not an event that happens that we go on. No, it changes everything. And so this Christmas, let's receive the grace of God that brings salvation. What is that? Who is that? It's Jesus. It's a person. And it goes on, that teaches us to live right and teaches us to wait. That's what he tells us. tells us to wait. You guys have to wait. And so what do we do with this? First of all, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, uh, yet, Put your faith and trust in Jesus for forgiveness of sins. There's no other way to get to heaven. There's no other way to have your sins forgiven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way to have your sins forgiven. He's the only way to get to God, the Father. He's the only way to heaven. is only through Jesus. Get that resolved today. Put your faith and trust in him. If you still have questions about that, please come and see me, because this is about eternity. If you have not done that yet, You have an appointment with God that you're not yet ready for. And once you pass from this life, you don't get second chances. There are no second chances after this life. We have the chance while we live here in this earth to understand. And it all comes down to where we will spend eternity. Is what we do with Jesus, right? Do you know him? Have you put your faith and trust? And there's two things you need to know about Jesus. Who he is, that he's the son of God, that he's God, and what he did for you. That he died on the cross for your sins. Paid the complete penalty for your sins. He was your substitute on that cross. And then he was buried, but then he rose from the grave on the third day. And now all who put their faith and trust in Jesus for forgiveness of sins finds their sins forgiven through Jesus, has eternal life with, with Jesus, and they have the hope and eternity to be with him forever and are part of the family of God. And it's all because of Jesus. That's the Christmas story, right? So if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus— Do that right now by simply saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, right? The Bible said it's by grace you've been saved through faith in Christ. So put your faith and trust in Jesus today. And And I pray that you do that. If you have questions, please come and see me after the service. Secondly, for all of us who say here, I know Christ is my Savior. I'm a follower of Jesus. What does this mean for us? Could it mean that things that draw so much of our attention in this world that we have right now need to be somehow superseded the day that we would see him face to face? That that day puts everything else in perspective, doesn't it? Puts everything in perspective. I read that birds have three different types of wing movements. You say, where is he going with this? Bear with me. The first one is flapping. And you see a hummingbird like that where hummingbird will flap their wings and they kind of defy gravity. You see them by a hummingbird feeder, and just seems like they're just there in space, right? They're just there in the air. But if you look hard enough, you can see it. their wings are flapping like crazy. They're flapping really fast. They just defy gravity. Uh, secondly, there's the gliding, the wings that glide. And, and a bird can catch enough speed, and they can just glide. It's beautiful to watch. The third is type is soaring. There are very few birds. They have strong enough wing strength that where they can soar, where they catch the— heat from the earth, and they just soar. They just soar. And one of those birds is an eagle. And every you never get an opportunity to watch an eagle, it's just wonderful. It's beautiful. Watch it on a Discovery Channel, one of those channels. You watch it. It's just beautiful to watch them. Or see them live sometimes. You get an opportunity to see them. Uh, they can go 80 miles an hour, over 80 miles an hour, without ever moving one feather on their wing. And, and you look at me and say, why is this important in waiting? What does this have to do with waiting? Because Isaiah the prophet wrote in Chapter 40 of Isaiah, shared a wonderful passage of how great God is. And God is great, right? He's good. But he gives an example. He has three questions, uh, three times in this chapter, asked questions. He says, who can compare with God? And it's a rhetorical question. Nobody can compare with God. And he asked the question, who can hold all the world's waters in the palm of their hand? Anyone? No one can, only God. Who can measure, he says, who can measure the span of, of the world of the universe of the heavens with the span of their hand no one only god only god can do that and he goes on he says the nations of the world are just a drop in the bucket to god think of that all the nations of the world is like one little drop in a bucket to god that's how big he is that's how big he is and so after this great chapter of giving how wonderful and great and the greatness of god he closes with the verse that gives us perspective and i'm reading from the esv the English Standard Version, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. You know the verse, but listen to what it says. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We're called to wait. Wait upon the Lord. But what are we called to do as we're waiting? To soar. God wants us to soar. It's not possible to soar unless there's turbulence. We've got to have turbulence in our lives to soar. That even in our turbulence, we can soar with the strength that God has given to us. And I know through Christmas time that we go through all kinds of turbulence. The turbulence is getting ready for Christmas, preparing for Christmas, people coming over our house, we're going to other people's houses, we're buying gifts and the food and all those kind of things. But not only that, we have all the other things that come in our lives that we don't expect to happen didn't think it was going to happen things that happen and there's all kinds of turbulence and you and i can soar with god because we understand two things if you know jesus christ your savior you understand this you understand the true meaning of christmas that's a big factor we don't just think hey we're just celebrating it's giving about presents we understand what christmas really means that god gave the greatest gift and it was a son jesus to us think about that god gave us a gift it's his son And it's not that he just came as a baby, but God entered the world, became a human being, and walked on this earth, and he grew up, and he came here, what he came here to do was to die, to die for our sins. And he went to that cross, and God placed all your sins, my sins, the sins of the entire world upon Jesus, and he paid for our sins. Now whoever puts their faith and trust in him will spend an eternity with him. Jesus wants you to spend Spend eternity with him so he came to die for us so we could do that. That's what Christmas is about. You understand the true meaning of Christmas. Second, you understand that he's coming back again. You understand that, that one day we're going to see him face to face, that he's coming back again. And because of that, no matter all the turbulence that we have in our lives, we can soar with the strength that God gives us, with our eyes focused on the true meaning of Christmas, what it really means, and that Jesus is coming back again. Amen. And that's what the Bible's calling for right here in this passage. That you and I are to soar. We're not to get caught up on all the little details and this and let things bog us down. No matter what it is, no matter how great your turbulence may be in your life right now. And some of you might be going through some major things I don't even know about. But we can soar like an eagle with the strength that God gives us way above all this because we understand something that's bigger than anything that's happening in this earth. Jesus who came as a baby to die for our sins. And through him, we have eternal life. It's it, it, hope in heaven with him, right? And one day he's coming back again. It means we're going to be with Jesus, and we're going to see him face to face. No longer through only eyes of faith, but face to face. And because of that, we can soar like eagles. So my challenge to you, let's soar. Let's soar like the eagles. Let's soar, because that's what God wants us to do. That's what he's called us to do as believers in Jesus Christ, to soar. People should see us soaring. There's only few people that get to do that. It's only people who have the strength of God who knows Jesus Christ their Savior. And it's us that we can soar like the eagles. So let's soar this Christmas. Let's soar the strength that God has given us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we come and we praise you. We praise you, God, because you are so, so good. Lord, when we look at Scripture, we break it down, Lord, you find so many great truths that you have for us, Lord, how wonderful and amazing that you really are, that gives us, confirms in our hearts and minds again and again. There's so many people in the world that constantly say, oh, Jesus is not God, or Jesus wasn't God. And Lord, we find out again and again all through Scripture, even in places where we don't expect it, that you're confirming that, that for us again, that Jesus definitely, definitely, is God. And we have hope in eternity that your grace came to Jesus, and we have hope in eternity to be with him one day because of all that Jesus did. And so, Lord, we praise you, and we thank you so much for all that we have in Christ. We thank you so much, Lord, as we know the true meaning of Christmas. We understand what it means, and Lord, we understand that one day Jesus is coming back again, and we will be with him. But Lord, there's so many in this world that don't know that there's so many, Lord, that right now that we may be meeting uh, at Christmas time, the Christmas parties at work, to family time, to friend time, wherever we may be that don't know that. They don't know those two great truths. Lord, help us and give us the opportunity to share. Give us the boldness and the love and the grace and the mercy to share those wonderful truths so others too may know Jesus, may know God's greatest gift that he gave to the world was Jesus. It's for all not only for for me and for a few of us it's for everyone that jesus died for all of us and whoever comes to him and puts their faith and trust in jesus finds forgiveness of sins and eternal life with him so lord help us to be bold and share that lord i i, I pray for any of us that has turbulence in our life this morning and lord we are all when it comes to christmas the pressures of christmas just that the world has put on us with the gift buying and all the things the parties and all that that we do Lord, it, it brings upon us. That Lord, that we would get, be able to look above all that, rise above that, and remember those two great truths that you give us, meaning of Christmas, Jesus coming, and that Jesus is coming back, that we would be able to soar like the eagles this Christmas, soar above all that, trusting you with everything in our lives, all the details, that we don't know how we're going to do this or how it's going to be accomplished, but God, we're going to trust you. So Lord, we can be unhindered and we can soar with the strength that you give us. We can soar this Christmas, and we can have the best Christmas that we can possibly have on this earth this Christmas. Because our mind and our hearts are focused on you. It's not about us. It's about you. And so, Lord, I pray that for each person here. I pray your blessings would be upon them. There, Lord, that they would realize that no matter what's going on in their life or whatever they do, they're not alone. If they know Jesus Christ, their Savior, you are there with them to help them every step of the way through the storms, through the turbulence, through the difficulty, through the loneliness, that you are there with them. And because of that, we can soar like eagles. And I pray that for each one of us. Lord, you're so good. And we come to you, Lord, not taking credit for any of this, but we give you all the glory. We give you all the fame. We give you all the credit. We come and just want to sing all glory to you, Jesus. All glory to you. We praise you and thank you we ask for all these things in that precious name of Jesus. Amen.